time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty. Welcome back. Cold War, Ray. Oh, yes. Here we are yet again. Yeah. It's uh, 186 uh, CIA part something. Yeah. Bob Sullivan emailed me the other day, long-time listener Robert Sullivan, uh, said, uh, getting a bit tired of the CIA stuff. Um, really? Sure, right I'm loving the name. CIA stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well... If I could, he did say he liked he liked one of the stories we told, but uh, yeah. he's getting a bit bored with the CIA. I'm like, oh man, this is the fun yeah. shit. Well, I, I think we have to show because 99.9 percent of Americans don't know how much of a clusterfuck the CIA was uh, was in its later past and still is today. So no faith should be put into it. They cause more trouble than they fix. A lot of the problems that we have are, are directly or indirectly responsible because of the CIA. So, no, it might not be the most exciting thing in the world, like me shaking my ass on this camera, which might come up later on in the show. But it's certainly very important for people to have this kind of lovingly beat into them because it, it is that important. Well, I think that it, it is a little bit boring because it's just CIA fucks up, CIA fucks up, CIA fucks up, CIA like fucks up, CIA I mean, fucks up, yeah. CIA fucks up. Yeah, That's the story of Cameron our lives. Story, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except we're not wasting hundreds of millions of dollars and thousands of lives. Not that we wouldn't oh, want to. We wouldn't, just haven't. We would love to. We would love to. Oh, we would haven't be so great. That. See, we're here, and we're not sending. <laughs> right, go ahead. We're not sending thousands of people to their death, no. but again, we would love to. Like, give us the opportunity. Send, exactly. They won't go. Yeah. They won't yeah. Go. People just want. They won't listen. They won't so listen. So selfish. R.I.P. Jessica Walters, mm. by the way, just to love mark her. that event. Love her. Love her. Love her. Love Great to do actress. To her. Uh, speaking <laughs> She's of. She's 80 and dead now. It'd make right. it easier. She can't struggle. Like, either like play, play Misty for me era Jessica Walters, you would love to do stuff too. Like 1971 Jessica right. oh. Walters, not 2021 well, Jessica either, Walters. Yeah. Either way, I mean, we're all past our prime. Either way. Speaking of insertion, uh, I got my first shot. I got my Pfizer shot. Oh. I, yeah, I walked into the... I, I, I don't know if I've stressed this enough, but I truly live in the middle of nowhere. More cows than people. I walk into the one pharmacy we have with our one red light, and I walk in there to pick up my medicine or I'll die because I'm old and I've made really a lot of bad life choices. And she goes, would you like the shot? And I'm like, what? Is, is this a come on? Because people of my, we say it differently, but if, if a shot's what you call banging, I, I'm in for it. She goes, well, it turns out that we got a whole bunch of the Pfizer in, when I say whole bunch, whatever, uh, a couple hundred. They're only good for so amount of time because they have to keep them cold. It's a big pain in the ass. And we're just trying to get rid of them. So would you like a shot? I said, yeah, hook me up and we could talk about that banging later. But the point is, go in, pharmacist who's been trained on it. They have to train for like 18 hours or 12 hours. Gets me real quick, done. I go back in three weeks to get the next shot, the second shot, and I'm all good. So I thought I was going to have to wait till summer. But I guess what I'm trying to say is everybody better watch out because Ray's about to get back out there because I've... I've got the shot. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's my news. One of the many, yeah. one of the many things that you've got. <laughs> that I'm willing to share. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. 
one thing you don't have is right. the, the you know how to turn up on time when we're interviewing still, an academic at Oxford. Still work, but apart from right, that, still working on yeah. that. Was he an American? That was an for future American. reference. Yeah, yeah, he's from Kentucky. Oh. For future reference, if we're ever doing another interview with an academic and you're 45 minutes late turning just up, don't, just, just don't, don't show up. Just don't oh my God, turn how up. many times have I heard it that? Was just, Ray, if you could just it not was just, turn up, I'd be great. Yeah, it would have been yeah. just, just far yeah, easier right. just to not I have to anyway. I threw him yeah. off his game. I think my presence yeah. threw him off his yeah. game. So I apologize. He's like, this is so unprofessional. I can't believe right. I'm doing this. Yeah. So you can just... Cheryl... <laughs> Why did I agree to do this? Just edit me out. Just anyway, edit, please. In 1951, yeah, Ray, please. the CIA, Ray, yeah. Fox, and I have been watching uh, the latest Star Wars films, and uh, we got to, we, we got to the the first of the J.J. Abrams right. films, and this the girl is Ray. What's her name? Ray, yeah. and Fox is like Ray. I thought Ray was a fat guy. Uh, so he's he's calling a Ray Ray now for the whole thing. It's just Ray Ray, right? And he's always just making new jokes every time she comes on the screen. It's like right. she's she's not that's well, not Ray. She's got way too much hair. Okay, that um, I could be entertaining for the whole family. <laughs> anyway. In 1951, the CIA opened a second front in the Korean War. Why Ray? Uh, the first front wasn't doing so well. Yes, yeah. and. Uh, actually, hold on. I'm, I'm stalling at this point. I'm trying to catch up to you in my notes because I have some stuff before that. So yeah, we're one line into the show, and you're well, trying to catch I, up. I've got you know I I I've started somewhere else. You started over here, so I'm just trying to play catch up. You, you, but you're right though. The CIA definitely wanted a second front because now they're freaking out. Everybody in America is freaking out that Mao and the Communist Chinese are involved in this, and the CIA. And we're going to see this a lot. They're I don't know if they're projecting or they're fantasizing or a little bit of both, but one, they're freaking out because Mao, who's got a million people, is now coming in, into this war and the Americans aren't doing all that well in the first place. But they somehow think that they're somewhere in China. There's one million um, of the nationalist army that's still left from Chiang Kai-shek in China that is desperately wanting to help Americans. They just they just need our support. They need our money. They need our gold. They need our supplies. And they need our guns. And the CIA is dying to give it to them. So again, because of their the CIA's need is so great, they imagine to a degree, and it's just their imagination, that there's a solution out there. And it's the one million nationalist Chinese soldiers who just need to get their hands on good old-fashioned American guns, and they can help keep Mao busy while MacArthur can finish off in North Korea. So it's a good plan, not based on anything. Kind of like the way that we keep telling ourselves we've got a million people listening right. to this show. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere. Like, we have yeah. no evidence for that. But if anyone asks, right. I say, oh, at least a million yeah. people. Well, I know a couple uh, of... There's a million Chinese yes. gorillas listening to I this. I know a couple of women that follow us who have multiple personalities. I think that kind of gets us over the million mark. No names. No names, Cheryl. Anyway, please. Please. <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't find any Americans uh, dumb enough, surprisingly, yeah. Uh, yeah. to parachute. They should have knocked on some doors in Virginia to parachute into China. Right. So instead, they sent hundreds of recruited Chinese agents. Instead, yeah. parachuted them into the mainland, where they all promptly disappeared and were never heard of again. Right. 
Um, mm. So, yeah. <laughs> between April 1951 and the end of 1952, the CIA spent eh, somewhere around $100 million, and we're talking $1951, right. real money, like, real yeah. money. Uh, just to, to create enough, uh, buy enough arms and ammunition right. to support 200,000 Chinese Sounds guerrillas. Sounds great. Sign them up. That they thought they were going to put together as an army to fight right. Mao. About half of that $100 million. How much is half of 100, right? Half of 100. Let's see. I normally, when I do this, I... No one knows more about <clears throat> maths than you, so... Cheryl. Do, do you have to count on something? Um, uh, my consultant, my financial advisor tells me that's 50. Normally I do like dollars and pennies, but you just carry the zero. Go ahead. About 50 million went to a group of Chinese refugees who were based on Okinawa. Yeah. What? And they, they, uh, sold the CIA on this idea that, oh, there's like so many anti-communist troops in China, just ready, just begging for it. Yeah. Yeah. They just can't wait. Just, just keep, keep giving us money and weapons. And, uh, I, I, I gotta ask. uh, Of course, it was all, it was all a scam. It was all a scam, of course, but it's only $50 million, so don't get your panties in a wad. But I do have to ask, okay, we're going to drop a lot of guns, gold, supplies, cash, whatever. Um, should we send someone, just one person, just, just take a day, should we send someone to Okinawa from Japan, because it's really close, it's right, right down there, just to verify that there are indeed thousands of anti-communist Chinese who are just itching to help us. If, if we could just do this much due diligence, it might save us a lot of uh, grief and a lot of losing $50 million. But I think their excitement and or desperation about trying to somehow counter Mao in Northern Korea freaked them out so much. Like, like you said before about Frank, look, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Whatever it takes, go, 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 go. And they just started dropping money and arms and everything else without checking. And so, like you said, these refugees made out like bandits because of the CIA with, with our money. Yeah, surely there has to be uh, a line between uh, taking too long <laughs> to verify the veracity of these claims in your contacts right. and their credit check their credibility. And on the <laughs> other hand, you've got just <laughs> jumping the gun and just doing anything and everything, so just throwing mud at the, the wall middle. and hoping some of it in sticks. I don't know if you can see my hands. Yeah, there's got to, there should be right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something. Surely there is. Uh, yeah. If I was their boss, I'd be like, listen, yeah. I get that you, you, you're super excited right. about this. And, you know, there's a sense of right. urgency. Right. Yeah. But uh, maybe someone. Yeah. But, I mean, what do they do? I mean, so even if you send someone down to Okinawa to talk to these guys, first of all, the CIA probably didn't have anyone who spoke uh, Chinese point. or Cantonese or Mandarin, whatever these guys right. were speaking. Secondly, what do you do? You go and they go, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's at least See a million guys. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> They're going to fight with us. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, well, these the, the guys in Okinawa are telling them that they there's guys, guys in, in China. mainland China. Right. Trust me. How do you how do you verify that? Yeah, well, give me give me the files me on all names. million of them. I well, mean, what do you Chin, do? Yeah, you got Yang. Yeah, uh, double Yang is brother. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, there's there's really no way to verify. But I think 
their naivete slash enthusiasm slash fear of Mal had them making very emotional decisions that you and I know because we've studied Stalin for a long time. There's no way Stalin would ever screw up on this kind of scale. He'd be like, yeah, sounds good. Sounds too good. Have really? somebody shot. You know. I, well, Stalin Stalin screwed up in the opposite way when they were saying his agents were telling him Hitler's about to invade, well, and he's like, yeah, nah, no, he, no, everybody gets one. I don't think everybody so. Everybody gets one, as we're going to oh, find right. out, and I think right. we're going to find out in this episode. At some point, some within the CIA, after after years of working there, or maybe after they're retired, they do eventually figure figure out that they're like, you know what? I think the Soviets were running rings around us, and we didn't even know it. And here it's the Chinese messing with the gullible Americans who, again, like you said before, their answer to everything is money. So just throw money at it, buy guns with that money, throw guns at it, whatever. We need help on the front in Korea because we're getting our ass handed to us. And of course, you have to expect the, that the guys in Okinawa were working for Mao and all of the money and the arms and the ammunition yes. was going yeah. straight to very much. Mao. Right. That was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, come on, Cheryl. Unnecessary. Unnecessarily. <laughs> unnecessary. Yes. Anyway, in July of 1952, the CIA dropped a four-man Chinese guerrilla team into Manchuria. Sure. Didn't hear anything from them for four months. But four months later, the team did get in contact and said, uh, everything <laughs> is going very well, mother. Everything. Please uh, send more... <laughs> Money, right. more guns, more weapons, and uh, some prostitutes, yes. some cocaine. Right. You know, everything usual. is going swimmingly, right. swimmingly, yes. mother, swimmingly. Yeah. Of course, uh, they had been captured and uh, were now, if they weren't already before, working for yes. Mao. So the CIA decided to send a rescue yes. mission. Oh, we take care of our own. Using... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Using a uh, a sling right. to scoop up these two guys, Ray. How did that um, work? Well, I don't want to go too far, but it didn't. But I, <laughs> I imagine is it something that is hanging from a low flying slow plane or helicopter or um, a man with wings? I don't know. And it just got it literally a sling where it goes and it scoops up the guy and flies away to freedom, glory, and tits. I, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of kind of what I, I imagine. But again, it's an idea like this that sounds kooky to us for the CIA to go, love it, fucking great, let's go, execute it, go get our guys. Again, just no common sense and a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, the team radioed for help um, at one point. So they were going to, the CIA sent two Americans this time, Dick and Jack. right. Uh, Jane uh, was not available, uh, apparently. Busy. Jane was already on another mission. Right. Yeah, but just Dick and Jack <laughs> went in. Uh, they were going to fly a plane into Manchuria, right. yeah, with some sort of a scoop on it. Just these guys could jump on. Like an ice cream scoop. Like a, like a well, like that or like one of those, uh, what do you have in the, uh, the snow fields there? You go up the mountain on a thing, little seat. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, the, the, what do you call those oh, things? I've been on one. Yeah. I can't remember what I'm, they're called. I can't remember. Yeah. Just boop, and it starts taking Yeah, like a ski, ski lift. Ski lift. Ski lift. No. But like a ski lift yeah. hanging from a thing, and the people, the guys would just jump on. There was a little bucket of champagne there, <laughs> uh, some canapes, yeah. cheese. They jump on and just out of China. Uh, unfortunately, the plane got shot down, and the pilots 
well, the pilots died, but the two agents who were on the plane, they weren't piloting right. it, got captured. Yes. Uh, Dick, Dick Fecto, yep. did 19 years in a Chinese prison. Jack, a.k.a. Jack Downey, yep. did more than 20 years yep. in... And I think they were released after Nixon went in and... Uh, did his deal right. when Nixon but, went went to China and uh, negotiated the diplomatic front uh, with Kissinger and Mao. I think that's when uh, these guys were finally released. But uh, that that was another another fabulous plan by the CIA. Right. Uh, Beijing later on uh, did their own scorecard for uh, for Manchuria. They said the CIA had dropped in 212 agents, right? of which 101 were killed right. and 111 captured. Which totals up to how much? 212. Uh, 112. So, 212, so they got them yes. All. So, right, yeah. so they got them all. Got them all. But here, here's the yeah. truly sad part. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's horrible, but um, it was Downey who had just graduated from Yale. So he's probably, what, 20 in his early 20s? is going to do at least 20 years in a Chinese prison, in a Chinese communist prison. So you know that had to be harsh. But but the 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 peak, the bloom, the flower of his life taken away from him just because he talked to a recruiter, got all excited, was probably given the patriotic speech. And now from 20 to 40, he's in a prison. So again, they're, they're just screwing up people's lives. They're not getting anything accomplished. But the good news is they're hiding all or most of their mistakes. But they're fucking up left and right. I mean, it, it, like, uh, I'm torn between this. Like, uh, you know, obviously I want to make fun of them for being dumb Americans. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it, there is a certain... I mean, I understand that they felt like they had to get up to speed. It's the same way, like, we talk about um, the Soviet Union right. after the revolution and their five-year plans mm-hmm. trying to move quickly to upgrade their economy and shit going wrong all over the place. Right. But they knew, knew they had a massive population that was growing quickly and they needed to try and feed it, exactly. so they were trying to... And they started way behind the eight ball. Yes. Um, uh, this is similar in a way. Far few people died uh, in the process of doing this, but at least far, few Ameri- far fewer Americans died right. than Soviet citizens as a result of the, the um, attempts to uh, sort of centralise the agriculture. Mm-hmm. But... It's the same sort of thing. They're just moving fast. We've got to try everything. This is an emergency now, a, a different kind of emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, Russia's emergency, Soviet Union's emergency, and same as China's emergency after this, is how to how to uh, rapidly industrialize right. and feed a very large population that's growing very quickly. Yeah. When you're starting, uh, you know, in a, in a sort of a pre-industrial revolution society, and also, and you've got enemies uh, surrounded by enemies that uh, from developed countries yes. that uh, you believe are going to invade you. Uh, the the American situation here is different, right? Yeah. It's not like America's being threatened with starvation or, or they, they, you're on top of your game here, the Americans. Yeah. But they feel like they need to interfere in these other countries uh, and prevent the socialists from taking power. But the same sort of thing. They're trying to move quickly and they're just making a ton of mistakes. And apparently they're okay with that, as we've said before. They hid it from Congress and from the president and from the general public. 
but they just keep kept making mistakes after mistakes. I mean, that's well, one way. You could say, well, that's how you learn. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're learning by sending thousands of people to their death right. uh, and or imprisonment. But- like you said last time at the very end of the last show, they're not sitting down and doing a post-mortem. They're not, okay, you know what? Fucked up. Mea culpa. Here's what we learned. Write this down. Cheryl, write this down. We will never do this again because it's, you know, nothing. So even the mistakes they're making, lives lost, money wasted, they're still not even learning from that because uh, it's around this point that um, Bedell Smith is sitting down with Wisner and he's sitting down with Dulles and he's like, look, we don't even have a fucking policy when it comes to the war. We don't even have a policy about Chiang Kai-shek now that he's got his ass handed to them. And so what did people like Dulles and and, um, and Wisner do? They literally go back to their office and they go, you know what? He's right. We don't have a policy. We'll make up our own policy. We're not going to check with lawyers. We're not going to check with the White House. We're not going to check with the State Department or the Pentagon. They literally make up their own rules as they go along, they make up their own policies. There's no hindsight. There's no forethought. There's no nothing. Literally, this is what we want to do. Forget gathering intelligence. We're just going to keep putting boots on the ground and fuck with the communists as much as we can because we're trying to save the world. But literally, the cart before the horse, nothing's getting done right. And again, it's just agitating people like Mao, people like Stalin, and we're not getting any positive results from it. it it's madness. I, I don't see how there wasn't a third world war from all the nitpicking that the CIA was doing, except for maybe the the uh, the ability to check themselves by people like Stalin going, yeah, I see what they're doing, but they're not crossing the line yet. So we'll just, we'll stay calm on this side. I mean, sometimes I'm just amazed there wasn't another battle somewhere, either in Eastern Europe or in Asia. Well, there, there was, was battles of well, the Korean about, War. Yeah, a lot bigger. But yeah, no, I get, I take your point. Yeah. yeah. Well, they avoided an all-out conflagration right. because of the nuke Thank situation, you. I guess. But yeah. And look, and to be yeah. fair, obviously... Um, you know, in terms of Korea, we know that Stalin is lending a kind of support, but not not a great deal. But he is lending some support. Right. We know Mao is deeply involved in supporting them eventually. So these guys are getting involved in supporting uh, Kim and the North Koreans. Right. Um, so everyone's getting involved in everyone else's business. It's not just the sure. Americans that are getting involved and in, in creating a mess here. Everyone's getting involved. Um, in 1951, the CIA got involved with uh, senior Kuomintang general in Burma near the Chinese border called Li Mai. Now, Li Mai or Li Mi or Lai Mai or Limi or Lemmy or Lemmy from um, Motorhead. I'm just going to call him Lemmy. Um, right. If you want to gamble... Uh, um, they started sending guns and money and gold to Lemmy. Oh, yes. Now, uh, this is something known as Operation Paper. Not Paper Clip. There's a different operation. Operation Paper. Right. They were going to use Thailand as a, uh, like a transit route to get weapons and supplies between Taiwan and Burma, right. which is where uh, Lemmy one of uh, the KMT generals was gearing mm-hmm. up to go back into China and uh, kick Mao's commie red pinko sure. ass. Sure, yeah. 
uh, how were they getting the guns and supplies to Lemmy, Ray? Uh, as far as I know, they were dropping them into northern Burma, which, you know, right there at the border of uh, southern China. And so then they can get take them across the border to start giving Mao and his Reds a hard time. So, again, don't go directly into China, but, you know, take it into Burma because Burma at this point is still a little... Um, just like everyone else trying to get over the Second World War. So we can fly in there, cross the Chinese border, and then see what we can do against the communists. Yeah, but uh, specifically, they were getting them into Burma via uh, an organization called Civil Air Transport, CAT, C-A-T, which was originally a nationalist Chinese airline mm. but had been taken over by the CIA and was controlled through a series of uh, fronts. Right. Uh, this is like the beginnings of Air America, the CIA having its own air transport system that uh, they pretend is... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, a commercial civilian right. uh, service. Now, this came out of, remember, good old General Cheno, Chenault, and his flying tigers. Right. We talked about this uh, crazy motherfucker who was uh, setting up the, <laughs> the uh, uh, like, Air Force to go in and uh, work for Chiang Kai-shek yeah. and bomb the commies. Yeah. So it came out of, it came out of that. Um, you know, we've all heard these uh, stories about the CIA running front companies that they claim to be legitimate businesses, but they're really running guns and drugs and money to places. Well, this is one of those, the civilian air transport. What was? I don't want to get my fronts confused because you know how embarrassing that is. I know there was a Western Enterprises CIA front on Taiwan uh, I think they were involved initially as well, uh, not specifically running these guns, but that was kind of their forward base to try to keep an eye on what's going on in Korea and China. And so that's one of the many ones that, again, just like we've said in other shows, it does seem that a lot of the staff there were double agents for the communists as well. So everything the CIA was doing, at least in the uh, the Western enterprises on Taiwan, the communists already knew mm. about it. Again, they're just running circles. Yeah. yeah. I think Western Enterprises was in the import-export <laughs> business, uh, Ray. Right. That's just what right. they do. Vandalay Industries. <laughs> Vandalay Industries. A lot of people don't know right. that. There's a We're CIA front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. George Costanza, actually, right. CIA As, agent. He's the kind right. of guy. Right. He <laughs> He's like, ah, was that wrong? Yeah. That was the CIA's, you know, yeah. uh, standard thing. That's where little little... Do people know that Larry David actually worked for the CIA? Yeah. All of those stories about George Costanza, all of those all things true. that he says, like, was that all wrong? Taken that, right uh, from That's straight exactly. out of the CIA playbook. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me tell you why um, George Costanza got Employee of the Month with the CIA practically every month. Because, one, morally ambiguous, you know, he's always going, is that wrong? And then when you throw in, it's not a lie. If you believe it. I mean, the guy's brilliant. Even if you capture him, you're not going to get anything from him. He was made for the CIA. So anyway. Yeah. That's, that should have been the Seinfeld spinoff is George Costanza, CIA agent. (laughs) (laughs) So when uh, Lemmy's uh, soldiers crossed over into China, which they did do eventually, fully supported by the CIA, 
they were decimated, shot to pieces by the Chinese. Turns out his radio man had been a Maoist agent all along. Now, Lemmy and some of his men survived, and the CIA kept sending them more guns, more gold, uh, but Lemmy's men refused to fight. Fuck. You. So, yeah. but they said, but 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 thanks, we'll keep the gun <laughs> and the gold. And they settled into a region known as the Golden Triangle where they made heroin and then sold it back to the US. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the KMT ended up shipping lots of opium and heroin to northern Thailand where they were sold to the guy who was the general of the Thai police who worked for the CIA as well. And this is where the CIA gets involved in the drug business, kind of. Um, They actually created created the uh, Golden Triangle. I mean, I think uh, opium had been grown there for a long time. Obviously, we've gone into the... The opium wars in China and opium is a problem and all that kind of stuff going back to the 1860s. Um, But it uh, went crazy. I I looked up some stats of of what happened to opium production and heroin production as a result of this. Now, the the CIA sort of connected the the head of the Thai police, Fao Siriyananda, Mm -hmm. uh, with the the Lee Mi guys in Burma. Mm -hmm. Um, and that connection, CIA set that up. It ended up becoming the, sort of the backbone of the opium production business right. in the Golden Triangle. Yeah. KMT uh, then remained in Burma until 1961 when the Burmese army drove them out of Burma and into Laos and Thailand, where they prospered for many years. But Burma, or Myanmar, as it's called right. today, got their own problems there at the moment, another yes. in a never-ending series of military coups going on there at the moment, but um, it's still, Myanmar still controls a third of the world's uh, opium supply. Wow. According to uh, Canadian academic Peter Dale Scott, mm. whose book American War Machine I recently read, He said, it is worth contemplating for a moment the legacy of CIA-supported drug proxies in just two areas, the Golden Triangle and the Golden Crescent, which is Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, around there. In 2003, according to the United Nations, these two areas accounted for 91% of the area devoted to illicit opium production and 95% of the estimated product in metric tons. He says, add in Colombia and Mexico, two other countries where the CIA has worked with drug traffickers, and the four areas account for 96.6% of the growing area and 97.8% of the estimated product. So uh, the CIA has played a part in building and supporting heroin the world's heroin supply since uh, the you know late fifties, early sixties. What I hear you saying, as a proud American, is the CIA pretty much got something right. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, they. <laughs> that's what that's you take, what from, I that. take from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I know you like your heroin. <laughs> Judging from how you looked when you jumped on that call with the Oxford <laughs> academic last night. Uh, I, I, I was just coming down. You were, uh, yeah. Hi, uh, no, but, but I do yeah. want to stress that. So, so leave me. Don't think you sniff. No. You don't sniff heroin, no. Ray. No. no, you don't? Smoke don't it, inject it. But no, yeah. I shoot it between the toes. Yeah. I don't know why I'm sniffing. Yeah. Ho- and into your nutsack, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. no one's going to see that. Is to hold very still. You got to hold very still while you're doing that because you don't want to make any mistakes in the nutsack. Anyway, I want to stress that after Lee Mai's or Lai Mai's men first try to go across the border, and like you said, the vast majority of them were wiped out. It's Frank Wisner who's going, no, 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 I, I get that there was a spy in there. Okay, yeah, no, get rid of that guy because, duh, that's what you do. But we need to keep this operation going. Well, don't you think the communists might have more than one spy in this big enterprise of, of, of the Americans, of the CIA? So, again, it's stupid for him to go, we can just push our way through. That's the American attitude. It's just money. I mean, and again, so they, like you said, they load up more weapons. They send to these guys. It's these guys are going, fuck you. We're not going back because we'll get annihilated again. So we're just going to marry the local women and bang them and, and raise poppies. I get that. But again, even through this disaster, he's like, no, it's a good idea. We should just keep going at it. Just send them more guns. Uh, again, that makes sense to practically nobody except for Frank Wisner. But unfortunately, he's the one who's calling those shots because he doesn't have to check with the president. He hasn't had to check with uh, uh, um, Beetle Smith. He doesn't have to check with uh, Congress, anything, because they're making up their own rules as they go along. This is literally the Wild West. It's completely illegal. But because they keep their own secrets, I guess they get away with it to a degree. It was it was basically the podcasting of the 1960s, uh, no right? Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 50s and exactly. 60s, yeah. According to Peter Dale Scott, this Canadian academic, when the CIA airline CAT began its covert flights to Burma in the 1950s, the area produced about 80 tonnes of opium a year. In 10 years' time, production had quadrupled. And at one point during the Vietnam War, the output from the Golden Triangle reached 1,200 tonnes a year. By 1971, there were also at least seven heroin labs in the region, one of which, close to the CIA base at Ban Hoi Sai in Laos, produced an estimated 3.6 tonnes of heroin a year. I think you'll find that if you and I lived in a village, um, besides banging our women, and let's be honest, banging each other's wives... um, all there is to do and each other and bang each other. So there's three things. Okay, bang your women. Anyway, all you have the only thing you can do in that village besides that is maybe edibles is uh, make is take care of your poppy. So yeah, as long as you're left alone by people, your production is just going to increase over the years, and that's exactly what happened. Again, the CIA fucked up, and we have a major drug problem because of it. But again. I guess either that doesn't get out or people forget about it or it's old news, whatever, but they should be held accountable to that to this day. And I don't know if they ever were. Well, no, they never were. Of course not. And they've always denied their involvement in all of these things publicly. Uh, So what next? Well, uh, a couple of years later, in 1953, July 1953, the South Korean president, Syngman Rhee, who we talked about in our Korean episodes, mm-hmm. uh, very unfit for the job, but thrust into yes. it by MacArthur, right. really, and a couple of CIA guys. He was sailing his yacht, uh, having a party on his party yeah. boat. Yeah. yeah. 
my yard. Uh, past the island where the CIA trained its Korean commandos. Apparently, the Korean commandos uh, weren't aware that the president of the country was on board this Didn't boat, the and they were like, right. "Party yeah. boat uh, could be a could be a secret attack," <sighs> and they fired at the boat. My rocket launcher. Now, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Them being CIA trained, right. um, they didn't hit anything Jesus. on the boat. No one died. Right. Um, they parachuted some people onto the boat who immediately disappeared and uh, were put in prison. No, they, no one was hurt, but Ree was obviously understandably uh, angry, demanded yeah. that the CIA's paramilitary group leave the country within 72 hours, which they right. did. And so they had to start all over again, recruited new agents that they trained and parachuted into North Korea. And this time, with this new batch of agents, they they had another go at it. And so this time when they sent them in, they were all captured and and executed. So... uh, I gotta tell you, Cam, you're really good at building up, not so good at finishing. I was really hoping to... Anyway, you had me going there for a second. Oh, uh, I finished. <laughs> you finished. I finished. <laughs> anyway, all in all, right. Ray, how many how many uh, people died in the Korean War? Oh, um, well, according to Wikipedia, a place I rarely go to, um, civilian and military is three million people total died in the Korean War. I think America lost about. 35,000 troops directly, but 3 million, obviously most of those, the vast majority of those were civilians, Koreans, North and South. And so this war, whatever you want to call it, 3 million people paid the price for it. According to the numbers Uh I have, Korean War resulted in 200,000 American and South Korean soldiers dead or missing. Another 566,000 American and South Korean soldiers wounded. North Korea had between 400 and 600,000 dead soldiers, 145,000 missing, and an estimated 2 to 3 million civilians dead on both sides from the North and South. Jesus Christ. So it's more like four million people uh, dead, missing, or yeah, wounded yeah, yeah. as a result yeah. of the war. Yeah. Uh, uh, but for the Americans, particularly for people like Alan yeah. Dulles, um, yeah. Yeah. that was just that was that was a That's, training ground. That even wasn't where the real action was. The real action for the CIA was obviously in Europe against yes. the Soviets. China was just uh, China and North Korea were just a sideshow for him. Right, right. Training grounds. Yeah, because it's Eastern Europe is where we have to be focused. We have to get the communists out of there. We have to disrupt their systems. Now that we know fuck all about what's going on in there because we haven't been able to get any very, you know, any good agents in there and get some intel. But the point is, for Dulles, you're absolutely right. Asia, yeah, that's nice. But it's saving the white Europeans um, in Eastern Europe from the communists. That's his number one goal. That's where he's focused at. Now, um Bedell Smith appointed a three-star general, uh, Lucky Lucian Truscott, to take over the CIA's operations in Germany and to spy on Frank Wisner's men, basically. 
he set up a spy to spy on the spies because the spies, yes, as we said in uh, I think the last episode, uh, Dulles and Wisner wouldn't take, wouldn't take, wouldn't tell Beetle Smith what was going on. He kept demanding reports. They would just blow him off. They go, oh look at that! Uh, did you see that? There's like this, like a boat yeah. just sailed past the window. Right. Like we're in the yeah. middle of the the city. <laughs> what the what odds. did did I tell you about? Yeah. Did I tell you about that uh, operation that I had recently? They just kept distracting right. him. You know, they'd try and change the subject. So he sent Lucian Truscott, right. a three-star general, to go to Germany to find out what was going on. Now, when Truscott got there, yes. he found that the CIA had set up three secret prisons where they were torturing right. people that they suspected were double agents. They recruited people to be CIA agents and then tortured them to find out if they were double agents. They had a camp or a prison in Germany, one in Japan, one in the uh, Panama Canal, basically the precursors to Abu Ghraib and uh, Guantanamo Bay. Well, if I'm doing something illegal... I'm pretty much outside of the law. I mean, how, what's what? How big of a deal is it to go one more step and let's set up these uh, prisons? Let's go ahead and torture people because you're right. They absolutely freak out when they find out that there's double agents all over the place. And as we said on the last episode, the idea of them completely dropping the ball on warning the American military about Korea, they're freaking out. So like, oh my God, we have to push this. We're already already at 11. We have to push this to 13. So if we have to do, if we have to torture people, if we have to set up prisons, if we have to do something to beat the shit out of them up until the moment that they... Um, tell us that they confess that they're double agents and then we kill them. That's exactly what we're going to do. We can't afford any more double agents and we will do whatever it takes to sniff these people out and get rid of them. And that's what they were going to do. And it's stories like this. I remember when, uh, you know, uh, we do this all the time, but when it came out about Abu Ghraib, um, when... um, uh, Sai, the uh, what's his name? The guy oh. who broke the Abu Ghraib story, uh, also broke the My Lai right. uh, massacre. Uh, looking Can't right remember his name. Sai uh, Hirsch. Here we go. Seymour Hirsch, Sai yeah. Hirsch. When he broke the Abu Ghraib story, and you know, there was a, I mean, there were the American narrative at the time, this is in the 2000s for people who are too young to remember after 9 right. 11. Uh, America, it was revealed America was running torture camps in various black sites. CIA was running black sites and torture camps around the world. And um, people was like, this is not the American way. This is not what we do. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. who we are. Yeah, you've been, who we are. You've been torturing people yeah. forever. Um, this isn't yeah. a new thing. It's just something that you didn't talk about. Uh, it doesn't get leaked yeah. all the time. So it goes way back. The history of the CIA using torture goes way back. Now, I know some people are going, well, everyone else uses torture, not just us. Sure. sure. But yeah. we're the guys in white hats. You're just as bad as... Yeah. No, you're just as bad we as are. everyone else. That's the fucking point of this show <laughs> and every, all the rest of it. That's right. America's just, just as bad honest. as the bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, it was in the uh, Panama... Uh, torture mm-hmm. camps too. That the CIA started Project Artichoke. Yes. Not the best project name, quite frankly. They were really running out of uh, names right. for projects we, at the we, time. Project Artichoke. Paper clip. Paper. It's just what? 
artichoke. I mean, give me something. Yeah, yeah. They'd run out of the rest of the uh, fruit and vegetable categories. They'd done Project Zucchini, uh, Project uh, Cauliflower. (laughs) Those are all, all taken. Yeah. It's like trying to come up with a good domain name right. for a startup these days. It's impossible. Yeah. Like everything's yes. taken. They're like, oh, I guess we have to go to Artichoke. Fuck. You know, yeah. it's, I'm not happy. Uh, scraping the bottom right. of the barrel. Yeah. Um, Artichoke though merged into a project with a much cooler name uh, a few years later, MK Ultra Project MK Ultra, which most people these days have heard of. I remember when I first heard of. Project MK Ultra, thirty odd years right. ago, uh, and you talk to people about it, and it was treated as it was like a crazy conspiracy yes. tinfoil hat wearing thing. Yes. But now everyone uh, has pretty much heard of MK Ultra. I think it turns up in a lot of popular media these days. But um, Project Artichoke, uh, the the scope for it was outlined in a CIA memo dated January 1952, that asked the question, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against the fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation? I mean, and I know the answer to that because I get Ray to do that every week. Uh, but for right, them, right. it was yeah. uh, it was a new yeah. idea that they were trying to figure out, and um, they they went about it exactly the same way that I went about. It. I mean, fortunately, I had the Project Artichoke and MK Ultra notes to, 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 to go on, on when I started working with you, so exactly. I just I just exactly. uh, you know picked up their playbook, the MK Ultra Fucking playbook. Work. But they were used a combination of LSD hypnosis and things like total isolation to try and break the psychology of these uh, people. Um, And who were they doing these experiments on, Ray? Well, I know when they first started, or or at some point early on, they actually had a couple of uh, Russian prisoners or whatever. But as as they go through the years, I mean, they're doing it on uh, American citizens, they're doing on can- Canadian citizens, and it's either against their will or without their knowledge. But then, at some point, they use prisoners in the federal penitentiary in Kentucky. And uh, so, again, you have no rights, you're in prison, we can do whatever we want to. What are you going to do? You're going to go tell someone you're locked in a cell. At, I think it was at least one person in Kentucky was given LSD for 77 days straight, not to be cruel, but because they were trying to do these experiments. You're right, try to break someone's will absolutely down where they will do anything you say. And yeah, yeah. He was a CIA agent. Was he? It was a CIA that. agent that they had on LSD for 77 days. And I'll sign up. he got paid. Oh, you can he get got paid, paid to get for that. Cheryl. Yeah. What, what, what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not talking to you anymore. I mean, say what you want about the CIA, but that was a they great gig. Policies. Everyone yeah. was lining yeah. up. To try and get that oh, job. How do I get yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah they, when they're doing their recruitment drives yeah. at, at Yale, everyone's like, so uh, <laughs> how do I get on the LSD trial uh, track? Yeah, yeah. you got to. Uh, that was, that was the, that was the yeah. good gig. Now, there was, um, there was one CIA guy, I, I know an Army civilian employee, Frank Olson, who was given this drug as well. He was a part of it. It didn't go so well for him. He actually jumps out of a window in a New York hotel. But you know what? The name of progress. Or does he? Or does, oh, shit. Is this a story? Yeah. Is there, this no, is a story. Please, go ahead. So Dr. Frank right. Olson 
Um, yeah, according to Philip Adji, who was a CIA officer who turned whistleblower, wrote a book called Dirty Work, The CIA in Europe, which I read. He says... Um, the widely reported death of Dr. Frank Olson, an army scientist who committed suicide from depression eight days after being surreptitiously given LSD by the CIA, mm-hmm. occurred under MKUltra. But in spite of Olson's death, the CIA continued to give LSD to unsuspecting victims for 10 more years. Thus, in order to observe the behaviour of persons after taking the drug unwittingly, quote, the individual CIA officer conducting the test might make initial contact with a prospective subject selected at random in a bar. He would then invite the person to a safe house where the test drug was administered to the subject through drink or in food. CIA personnel might debrief the individual conducting the test or observe the test by using a one-way mirror and tape recorder in an adjoining room. In 1973, not surprisingly, CIA Director Richard Helms ordered that all MKUltra documents be destroyed. So, however, according to another book I have, the Encyclopedia of Cold War Espionage, Spies and Secret Operations... Mm -hmm. This Dr. Frank Olson had been increasingly bothered by the CIA's use of drugs and torture. Right. Had told close friends and family that he wanted to leave the CIA. I like where this is going. On November 28th, 1953, Olson was with a CIA agent at the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. Right. Um, and died early that morning, having fallen uh, out of a window on the 13th floor, hitting the, hitting the pavement. Right. The autopsy showed his body was lacerated by glass and it was decided that he had fallen by accident. But there was a CIA agent with Olsen at the time... Who tried to help him. ...in the hotel room... Right. <coughs> ...who... Yeah. Uh, according to the official account, said he had been asleep uh, when Olsen fell out of the window, heard nothing, and also gave no reason for why he was hanging out with Olsen in a hotel room (laughs) in New York. Yeah, hanging. And why Olsen was uh, massively high on LSD. 20 years later, after the publication of the Rockefeller's Commission's uh, report into the CIA's activities, Mm -hmm. 1975, the time of the Church Committee, uh, the report changed. Um, It was found that he had been depressed that evening as a result of a dose of drugs that he did not know he had been given and had flung himself out of the window of the hotel. So the story changed from committed, you know, uh, accidental death originally was the first report. Um, Then 20 years later, it was he committed suicide. Uh, His family was shocked when they learned that um, he had been given a dose of LSD by the CIA the head of the CIA apologised to his family, Sorry. and I think Gerald Ford, who was president at the time, did as well, and the matter was dropped until the 1990s. Oh, then God. Frank Olson's son right. 
moved to have the body exhumed for re-examination in the early 1990s. Right. Um, The results of that showed no lacerations to the body. So he hadn't fallen or jumped through glass. Right, right. Um, And it also showed that Olsen was probably knocked unconscious by a blow to his forehead before he went out the window. Yeah. So The hotel manager recalled that after the fall, a phone call had been made from the room to say, well, he's gone, and the person on the other end of the call said, well, that's too bad. Uh, So... Yeah, so that's the full, the story, full story, apparently, of the Frank Olsen episode. Well, kids, if nothing else, if you don't take anything else from this episode, don't join the CIA unless you're really sure. And once you join them, don't complain. Don't tell them you want out. Certainly don't tell your friends and family that you're not really comfortable with what they're doing. And put that out there. Just either don't join in the first place or keep your fucking mouth shut and I think you'll live a lot longer. But the point is this 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 project Artichoke and Ultra this these decisions weren't made by Truman, they weren't made by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they weren't made by the Pentagon, they weren't made by the State Department. They were made by they weren't even made by Bedell Smith as far as I know. It's Dulles, Wisner and Richard Helms that are doing this without checking with anybody. They're they are making these incredible projects obviously torturing people, physically abusing them. Um, I mean, it goes way past waterboarding, and they're doing this on their own, and again, they're justifying it to themselves, but they all pretty much think alike, and I'm sure it would took like two seconds to go, should we do this? Fucking A, we're going to do this. These double agents, they've got to go. It was probably that long of a discussion, and now they're doing these horrendous things as well. And so, again, you just you just got to wonder, how is the CIA still around today? Because they're able to cover up all this shit. Uh, at least for a while. And if you want to know more about that story, uh, you can go to frankolsonproject.org. Right. Um, it's a whole website dedicated to what happened to Frank Olson. Jeez. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like you said... The guy most, who... Sub- sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. What? And like you said, um, 1973, uh, Richard Helms... Uh, because a lot of this stuff is starting, people are starting to talk. Plus, uh, stuff from Watergate is starting to get out and make people nervous. So, most but not all of the records of Ultra and Artichoke are destroyed. But what little bit remains, you know, they were able to tell that this stuff was going on for a while, like you said. So, um, again, just horrendous experiments on people who either knew about it. A lot of them did not, uh, you know, and obviously they were hurt because you you do the drugs. And you ask them questions. And if they don't answer the right way, that's when the physical torture starts. So that that was a part of it as well. So again, just horrendous actions being taken in the name of national security. And how many times have we heard that? Um, by the way, the uh, agent who was with Frank Olson right. uh, was Dr. Sidney Gottlieb. American chemist and spy master, uh, retired from the CIA in 1972. And, uh, yeah, according to uh, his profile, he was, during the 60s, he was one of the guys who tried to come up with all of the, 
various creative ways to assassinate Fidel Castro <laughs> um, and uh, also helped the CIA try and assassinate Lumumba of Congo. He took a vial of poison right. to the Congo with a plan to put it on Lumumba's toothbrush. Um, so, yeah, he was a known uh, CIA uh, chemist uh, assassin. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what he did for a living. Died in Washington, Virginia in 1999. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the, the family of Frank Olson to this day believe he was uh, murdered by the CIA. Would not be so the CIA came to the conclusion, and rightly around about this time, as you pointed out before, that the Soviets were much better at this spying business than they were. They had bigger spy networks, more sophisticated spy networks. They were far better at it right. than the CIA were. So uh, in order to um, find out who the double agents were, they started kidnapping their own agents and torturing them, giving them LSD, trying to break them down. And as you said, Dulles, Wisner and Helms were in charge of that. Uh, and another, another project that was going on at the time that uh, Truscott, General Truscott, shut down was something involving a group called the Young Germans. Oh. Now, as I understand it, the Young Germans were West uh, German group, mm-hmm. mostly made up of uh, the Hitler Youth. Yeah. Um, old, you know, old Hitler Youth guys. <laughs> getting a little older. They were getting money and weapons from the CIA and burying it all over the country. Right. Uh, for the day. Their plan yes. for the day. Yeah. The day. Um, which is what you know uh, Trump supporters have been doing for years now as well. I suspect. Right. Uh, getting ready for when they're going to rise up. Yes. Their their plan apparently the young Germans plan. Uh, was to assassinate West German politicians uh, and, you know, bring about the uh, the Fourth Reich. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, they became, which again is what Trump supporters have been preparing for <laughs> for much. years now. Pretty, pretty much. The, these uh, young Germans became so blatant about their uh, plans and their existence and their enemies list made it into uh, the media. Oh, my God. And uh, it blew up into a big public scandal. Yeah. And uh, the, the best thing that came out of it was David Bowie's Young Americans album. Uh, which uh, came yeah. out just before his Berlin period, but yeah. uh, which was loosely based on uh, that plan. Yeah. God. So another screw up by the CIA, given a bunch of extreme radicals, because I think there were like 20,000 of them in West Germany at the time, giving them tons of weapons, tons of gold, whatever they're planning it, you know, that kind of stuff. So again, another fuck up by the CIA that does become public. And then they got to do as as much as they can to unwind it because these radicals do have guns and they do want to kill a lot of Western politicians. So it's just a massive fuck up again by the CIA. Another group that the CIA was involved in in Berlin was a group called the Free Jurists Committee. Yes. Made up of a bunch of young lawyers who were developing intelligence on what the communists were doing and planning in East Berlin. Right. And uh, Frank Wisner decided to turn them into a paramilitary force. You know, like intelligence... Schmintelligence. 
Intelligence is boring. What I need are guys who uh, can take shit to the next level. Warriors. Uh, I, they, yeah, I need. Yeah, they need to be able to yeah. go in there and take back. Right. Uh, East, help us take back East Berlin from uh, Uncle Joe. Right. Uh, so they, they were turned into a fighting force uh, consisting of three-man cells. Against their will. The problem... Yeah. Well, I don't think it was against their will. Not against I mean, their will. No, what I'm saying is the guy who was talking to the head jurist is like, look, I'm getting pretty good information here. They are legally, like you said, observing and trying to go after the, the, the Soviets, or, or the communists in uh, East Germany. But through legal means, so they're keeping an eye. So I'm, I'm getting a lot of good te- in, intel from them. And like you said, Frank Wiss is like, "Fuck that! Put machine guns in their hands, break them into three person cells, and this is going to be great." I need them to be warriors. Fuck lawyers. We need fighters. And so I order you to, 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 to make this happen. And so the guy had to. And so they're broken into three person teams, but they were actually doing a decent job getting intelligence, which I think Frank Wisner thought was boring. Put a gun in their hand, and so that's what happened. Yeah, so the the uh, CIA operative who was running this group had made the connection, didn't want them to turn them into a paramilitary force. He thought that was a right. bad idea. Yeah. Wisner overrode him and it, had, and it got done. The problem being that every man in every cell <laughs> knew the identities of every other man, not only in his cell, but what? in every other cell. Well, they've been open, so all, talking. All the Soviets had to do was capture and torture one of the men, which, what? of course, they did, yes. and all of the rest were arrested. Jesus. So uh, that was another disaster. Yeah. Then, uh, towards the end of 1952, Wisner's Polish operation also collapsed. He had dropped about $5 million of gold Jesus. bars, submachine guns, <laughs> uh, rifles, ammunition, Fuck. two-way radios, into Poland to a group called the Freedom and Independence Movement, a.k.a. WIN. Now... Yeah, of course, a lot of that $5 million was spent on Barry and Stan, um, up who came this. up with the name <laughs> Win. Right. They're like, if you call it Win, right. you, you're going to win. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, how are you not going to win? If you call it Win, are you going to get tired of winning? Exactly. Uh, that's just science, bitches. If you call it Win. <laughs> right. You're halfway there. It's, it's elementary marketing psychology. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Now these uh, these guys, uh, well, the 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 CIA uh, believed that these guys, the Win Movement, uh, had a force of uh, five hundred soldiers and twenty thousand armed partisans in yes. Poland. Yes. Yes. All ready to fight the yeah. Red Army. All they needed from the CIA was a shit ton of money and right. weapons, and it was going to go down. They go were going to liberate, yeah. but- liberate <laughs> Poland. If, and, and, and as we all know, that was Poland from the from the Yalta series. That was the big sticking point between the three, the big three, and now it's between Truman and Stalin. So Poland is a, is a touch issue. But um, so you've got when. 
on the outside, the exile poles in London and stuff like that. Then you've got when on the inside, the people who are like you were just saying, the people that are there, hundreds of thousands of people are just ready to rise up. They just need support. They need guns. The thing is, the when inside Poland, they were wiped out back in 1947. Why? Because the fucking Soviets don't play games. Those people were wiped out. And so the when inside of Poland it's all bullshit. It's all made up. These are all either double agents or fake agents or non-existent agents. But they're like, but the wind outside is telling the CIA, yeah, get me guns, get me gold, get me supplies, get me ammunition. Let's drop it in there. We'll supply the inside wind. And when the time comes, they can kick ass. And everybody at the CIA is excited about this. Finally, something's going to happen. Finally, we're doing something. And all that gold, supplies, guns, ammo, goes right to the communists. We are literally feeding the communists the very weapons they need to keep us out of their country. So again, another brilliant move by the Soviets, another monster fuck up by the CIA, millions of dollars worth. Well, the Polish secret police who had wiped out uh, Wynn back mm-hmm. in 1947, as you said, sent a guy to London, you know, right. the Polish emigre uh, exile community was in London, uh, he went and convinced them that Wynne was still alive and well, that the uh, reports of their deaths had been greatly <laughs> exaggerated. Uh, the emigres in London then contacted the CIA, probably through MI6, right. who bought the story. Bettle Smith, at a meeting with his deputies in August of 1952, said Poland represents one of the most promising areas for the development of underground resistance. Yes. And Wisner told him, Wynn is now riding high. This is five years after Wynn had been wiped out. Wisner believed that it was uh, killing it, absolutely (laughs) killing it over there. I think Dulles had a coffee mug made up that said, Wynn is the way to go. Team America, fuck yeah. So they were all excited. This was going to be awesome. This was actually going to be the beginning of pushing the Soviets back, which is what Dulles gets hard for every morning. Now, the agency would uh, drop people into Poland to meet with Wynn. Yes. The Polish police, of course, would mop them immediately up. It took the CIA five years to work out that Wynn didn't exist. (laughs) Uh, do you feel qualified or maybe overqualified to work or even run the CIA? Because I got to tell you, there are moments that I do. I'm like, I would have seen that. I'd like to think that I would have seen that. So maybe I should put my application in. I think I'm perfectly qualified to run the CIA because nothing I've ever done has worked either. So so you were management yeah, material. You perfect. were director material. Yeah. I could have been the director of the CIA, you know. There's still a chance. I'm still a young man. I mean, I can still do that. You got this. What are your qualifications? Well, everything that I've done has failed. Fucking, can you start now? (laughs) Here's a bag. Here's a gun. Here's $50 million. You can can take that office right there. It's empty. What happened to the guy that was in it yesterday? We parachuted him into Poland. He's fine. I'm sure he's fine. He's doing great. I haven't heard from him, but I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure. Sure he's fine. Yeah. Actually, we did hear from him. He, he sent us a telegram saying things are going great. Send more, gold. Send more money <laughs> and more people. Now, a big chunk of the money that the CIA uh, sent to Poland right. uh, ended up going to the Communist Party of Italy to right. support them. And of course, the CIA still knows nothing about what's going on in right. the Soviet Union. So, are you telling me that CIA money sent to Poland, given to the communists, 
some of it was funneled to Italy to fight the CIA money in Italy. So the CIA yeah. is fighting itself through proxies financially. Yeah, we CIA on CIA sex. We are, we are I mean, it's exactly the same as what's been going on. And, you know, we, we, we laugh about this, but this is what's been going on in Syria yes. for the last 10 years. Proxy. The CIA has been giving money to various groups around Iraq and Syria yeah. uh, that, you know, makes its way into the hands of ISIS and al-Qaeda to fight Syria, but also then to fight American allies in Iraq later on. And then the CIA blames Iran for that. <laughs> but it's mostly CIA money and weapons that they're giving, literally giving to their enemies and, right. the, and the CIA policy then as, uh, well, now as, as it was back then, I think is, look, just throw money at it. Something will work out somewhere yeah, along the way. I'm stick. sure it'll all, yeah. it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. That's the show for this week. Uh, sorry if you're getting bored with the CIA, but we're not. We're having yeah. a good time. We'll be back next time. Loving it.